This morning is an overview, an overview of the book of Ephesians, the letter to the Ephesian church, uh, which I'll get into in a second. My name is Aaron, if you don't know me, we've, I know we've got some, some visitors here. I'm one of the, uh, the elders, part of the eldership team at Christ First, and I'm going to be speaking to you this morning, as I said, from the, the letter to the Ephesians written by Paul, but more giving you an overview of what the letter is about. Uh, so I want to introduce to you the letter... That's not what that, that's working, that's fine. So it's a letter written by the Apostle Paul, and uh, it's while he was, it was written while he was in jail. Uh, he wrote a few letters while he was in jail. It's around the year AD 60, and it was sent to the Ephesian church with a view to them distributing it to some churches around them. Uh, Paul had spent significant time with this church. And he had a close relationship with them. If, when, if you can recall back to our Acts series, if you were here, or if you look at Acts 19 and 20, you can see that Paul spent a good chunk of time with the Ephesian church. And when he leaves the church, when he's leaving, it's actually a very emotional farewell. And they all cry because they love each other so much. So Paul's in jail writing to a church that he knows and a church that he loves. And there's... A few main themes or thrusts or purposes to the, to the letter. Uh, the first three chapters are like a description of all the blessings that you get from being a Christian. It's amazing to be a follower of Jesus. This is, this is what it's like. And the second three are kind of a practical outworking of, well, if you are a Christian, this is how you should live your life. If you are following Jesus, this is what you should be doing with your life. I'm just going to bend this down because I can't see those people very well. Um, the letter to the Ephesians discloses the mystery of the church. And you can imagine, or I can imagine, Paul getting excited as he writes this. You, you've got to, in your mind's eye, remember, they didn't have all of the New Testament like we did. When they got this letter, they were, Paul sent us a letter. What's it going to say? This is, this is exciting. And Paul's writing this down. As he's writing it, he's thinking... I can't believe God has revealed this to me. This is what the church is about. This is what being a Christian is about. This is how you should live your life. This is what the Old Testament was talking about. This is what we were looking forward to, the church. So there should be a measure of excitement when we read this. He's revealed it to us. What a privilege. The church is God's plan to form from a people... To form a people into the body of Christ, acting on his behalf in the world. To enforce and express the fullness and to dispense the blessings of Jesus' victory. He reigns victorious, we sang this morning. The church is to enforce and express that blessing, that victory. The church is to be the place where the human race is united as one people. It's a living temple in which God dwells. The letter to the Ephesians teaches on the spectacular blessings received through the grace of God. The position of those who've trusted by faith in Jesus Christ... They're now chosen, blameless, 
blessed, accepted, forgiven, adopted in Christ. I'm not going to go into that too much because I'll be stealing from next week. Ephesians calls us deeper and it challenges us to live out the gospel, to walk worthy of the calling we've received, to work hard, to live in unity with one another, not to give up at the first hurdle, but to work hard to live in unity together. It teaches us how to pursue the will of God with wisdom, how to grow in love and purity, how to grow in love with one another, how to live as a family, how a marriage should work, how parenting should work, how we're to be at work when we're working for someone or when we're employing someone. And it teaches us how to stand firm in the midst of the spiritual battle that we're in. And all of that is done to the praise of his glorious grace and to the praise of his glory. So we're going to cover all of that, or as much as we can, over the next few weeks into next year. We'll be, uh, we're not going to rush through this. We're not going to be as, as marathon as we were with Acts, but we will, because it's a much shorter uh, letter, um, but we're going to cover those sorts of things over the next few weeks. So if that doesn't excite you, I'm very, very sorry, you're going to be bored for a while. Um, but if those things do excite you, then be excited, come to church expectant. Oh, I can't wait. Read the book of Ephes- the letter to the Ephesian church or the book of Ephesians. Read it. It's only six chapters. You know, you could read it over the course of the next week and have a day off. You know, one, one chapter a day. So there's lots of things that we could cover, and we're going to cover all of that. But we want to convey a message as well, and that's this. Build a wall is like building a life. Now, there's people who are much more qualified at building than I am, so they will tell you if I'm wrong. But imagine, and this isn't how you build a wall, because it would be, you'd take forever. But imagine you got to put one brick on a day, and at the end of your life, the wall that you constructed, you had to look at. Okay, okay I'm pleased with that. Every day you get to put a brick on. Build well. So we're going to focus on those important teachings. But the thing that we're going to be coming back to again and again is this. That it's God's eternal purposes. Oh, let me go on one. God's eternal purposes are being worked out in everyday life. That's the theme. God's eternal purposes in everyday life. If you've got your Bible, you might want to turn to Ephesians. I'm just going to read a few verses and talk about them. In the context of that, it's God's eternal purposes being worked out in our everyday lives. Chapter 1, verse 4 says this, He chose us in him before the foundation of the world. Before the foundation of the world, we were chosen in him, in Jesus. Chapter 1, verse 9 says this, Making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ. He's made known to us the mystery of his will and his purpose. Chapter 1, verses 17 and 18 says this, 
that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, this is Paul saying he, he gives thanks and he prays this for the Ephesian church, that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Father of glory, may give you the spirit of wisdom and of revelation in the knowledge of him, having your hearts enlightened that you may know what is the hope to which he has called you, what are the riches of his glorious inheritance in the saints. Chapter 2, verse 10 says this. For we are his workmanship, or some versions say masterpiece, created in Christ Jesus for good works, works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Before the foundation of the earth, you were chosen in Christ Jesus to walk in good works that God had prepared for you. Chapter 2, verse 19 says this. So then you are no longer strangers and aliens, but you are fellow citizens and with the saints and members of the household of God. 3.13 says this. So I ask you not to lose heart over what I am suffering for you, which is your glory. Paul's saying, don't lose heart just because I'm in jail, just because I'm suffering. Actually, remember this. I know that I was chosen before the foundation of the earth and that God has got plans and good works for me. I'm a member of his household and he's prepared good works for me to walk in. And so I'm, don't lose heart over what's happening, but continue with that in mind. And so that's why I want to say, this: what we're saying by this, God's eternal purpose is being worked out in everyday life. We're saying this, every day has significance. It's the same room, but everything's different. It frames difficulties and decisions. And the ultimate prep cook, which is another thing I'm not qualified to talk on, but I will speak on anyway. <clears throat> it gives significance to the everyday. It's the everyday stuff that's important. It's, we're in the same street, you live in the same street, you go to the same workplace. Everything is the same, but we must see things differently. Keeping in mind that God's eternal purposes are being worked out in our everyday lives helps us to make sense of the big moments, the challenges and difficulties of life, as well as the big decisions that we're going to make. And it shouldn't overwhelm us because we're chosen in Christ to walk in the things he's prepared in advance for us to do. And the fruitfulness on the Frontline series we've been doing in our groups, that's been laying some groundwork for this. Because the church is God's way of working out his eternal purpose for mankind in the world. It's the way he's working out in, through our everyday lives his eternal purposes for the human race. If you're a member of the church, then you are part of God's plan to work out that eternal purpose. Chapter 3, verses 8 to 11. Sorry, I love the book of Ephesians, so I'm, I'm try, I've tried to resist not preaching all of the sermons that are about to come up. So this is what Paul says. To me, though I'm the very least of all the saints, this grace was given, to preach to the Gentiles the unsearchable riches of Christ, and to bring to light for everyone what is the plan of the mystery hidden for ages in God who created all things, so that through the church the manifold wisdom of God might now be made known 
to the rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was according to the eternal purpose that he has realized in Christ Jesus, our Lord. Ephesians is like, people often refer to Romans as the, the Everest of the Bible. It's the, it's the, oh man, if you've climbed Everest, you're a mountain climber. Ephesians is kind of like the, the beautiful mountain. I don't, I, I don't know if you've seen pictures of Everest. It's kind of sort of foggy and often it's sort of a bit snowy and it's like, well, can't really see anything and it's whatever. Actually, if you imagine the most picturesque, beautiful mountain as the sun comes up and the light hits it just perfectly, that's Ephesians. That's Ephesians in the Bible. Be excited about this series. But I want to just expand on this a little bit this morning and then we'll go and eat together and we'll get into the nitty gritty of some of this stuff over the next few weeks and months. But every day has significance. It's the everyday stuff that's important. It's the waking up, eating breakfast, going to work, looking after the kids, cleaning the house, or the grandkids, cleaning, looking after the kids or the grandkids, not cleaning your house or the grandkids. Um, <clears throat> although maybe you will do that. Talking to your colleagues, traveling to and from work, doing the shopping, preparing dinner, getting the kids ready for bed, getting washed, going to bed, or getting washed in the morning if that's your routine, washing up after dinner. All of those things are important. They have significance. It's a bit like raising a child, from what I know of my three years of experience. I'm a dad, and I'm the primary worker in my family. So my wife works, but she works part-time. I work full-time. Uh, for the church, as many of you will know. It's a trap that I can easily fall into to do quality parenting. I know I can do, right, we're going on a daddy date. It's me and you, kid. Come on, special time, just me and you. Let's have some fun. Let's, you know, go and eat loads of junk food, whatever. I know I can do quality time. I, I, I know I've got that in my locker. Sometimes what my wife needs as the, the sort of person who primarily looks after our children and spends all day with them, is quantity time. She doesn't need me to come in and go, come on kids, let's get hyper and crazy. She needs me to come in and go, can I, can I change the nappy? Can I put them in the bar? Can I do, what, what can I do to help? She needs the, there's a, there's a quantity element as well as a quality element. What I'm saying to you is a relationship with God is not about big, one-off gestures. What, was, what Andy said this morning, if, you know, if you're living Sunday to Sunday in your relationship with God, that's not going to see you well. That's not going to see you through life well. It's about day in, day out, living in relationship with God. Of course, there are big moments. You know, you go to a, a conference or West Point or even Sunday mornings. They're big moments. Yes, encouragement. Oh, isn't it great to be together and worship God? Sometimes it's about making those big moments or those significant differences every day. 
Can you meet up with someone to encourage each other? It's about day in, day out living with God. So how do we bring God into those spaces? How do we say, actually, every day has significance and I need to allow God into my every day? Well, I think we need to change our perspective. It's the same room, but everything's different. That's a a crowded house song, if you don't know. Everywhere you go, always take the weather with you. That's what that image is. It's the same room, but everything's different. It's the same workplace, but actually you're going there with a different set of eyes. You're going, actually, I might be here for an eternal purpose of God. This is my everyday. I get up, brush my teeth, say hello to my neighbor. Well, actually, maybe God has chosen someone before the foundation of the earth. He's, he's sort of orchestrated their life to this point where now I'm here in their life and my interaction with them is going to move them closer into relationship with him. Is that me? Or am I knocking something? Um, this thing was jig. That's jigsaw backwards in case you don't know that. They specialize. They make these jigsaws and the box you know, normally a jigsaw, you have the box, and that's the image you make. So it'd be, imagine if I was looking at you, that's the picture on the box, and then the box would be from one of yours perspective looking at me. And you have to kind of, or looking across, and you have to, it's a different angle on the image. We need to have a different angle on our everyday lives. Your, your everyday routine life might actually be something significant for someone else. The person that you meet every week when you go and do your shopping or you pick up your shopping from the click and collect, that might be the only interaction with a Christian they have. Or it might be the fifth interaction that they've had with a Christian that day and they're like, man, God's really hounding me. Don't compartmentalize our lives. Let's not do that. God wants to be involved in every area. He wants to impact every area. Ask him to show you how you can view situations differently as he sees them. Paul, in that passage, one of the verses I read, talks about having our hearts enlightened. The eyes of our hearts. When we pray, let your kingdom come. That's what we're saying. Let the rule of God come. Let King Jesus be the authority in this place. Let's take that attitude, not just into this space on a Sunday morning, but into our workplaces as well, into our every interaction we have. This change in perspective is not just for those everyday things, it's actually for the big moments as well. It helps to frame difficulties and decisions. Oh, frame. Um, When we're faced with a challenge, we can find comfort in the knowledge that God's eternal purposes are being worked out in our lives. There's an eternal dimension that we need to be aware of. I don't mean that as in an alternate dimension. I mean, we need to be looking back and going, actually, the entire purposes of God to some extent, have been leading up to this point in my life. And I'm part of this eternal plan that he has, and 
okay, well, this is, this is what I'm going to step into. And that's exactly what he'd planned for me. When we are facing a big decision, it's important to remember that it's God's eternal purposes that are being worked out in our lives. Not our temporary purposes that are being worked out in our lives. So it's not based on, oh, is this going to be the best for me? Is this going to be the most comfortable for me? I'm sure Paul, when he was being put into jail and shackled, was like, I'm not sure this, this you know, apostle stuff has worked out the best for me. Maybe I should have picked a different career, stuck with being a Pharisee, you know. It's God's eternal purposes. We need to make sure we're in submission to his will. As I read earlier, God would, we ask God for the wisdom to know his will and direction for our lives, not just doing what we fancy. And sometimes those things run parallel. Sometimes, oh, I'd love to live in this place. Well, actually, God's calling you to that place as well. And that is fantastic and great when that happens. It doesn't always happen. And then finally, the ultimate prep cook. I don't know if you know what a prep cook is. They're the lowest rung, effectively, probably in terms of a cook, a chef. They get in, they chop up all the vegetables, then they chop up some more vegetables, then they maybe start making some other ingredients ready to be turned into something. God is the ultimate prep cook, and I don't say that in disrespect. He has prepared works in advance for you to do. It says in this, in Ephesians, it says that he's prepared them that we might walk in them. Uh, for me, that's really sticking with me at the moment, that we walk in them. I don't know about you, but the other, the other day I walked a pitiful amount according to the app on my phone. But generally, walking is, for the most part, a normal activity, isn't it? We go and we just, you know, we go to places, don't we? And some, I know, obviously there's health challenges and people can't walk, but the general gist of this is that it's, what God is saying is there's things prepared for you to do that you're just, if you're in relationship with God, if you're looking for his will, you're just going to step into them. You're just going to step into them. It's not going to be about fighting and straining and beating yourself now, there are moments for discipline where you have to go, actually, I am going to get up at six and read my Bible. But there are times when it's, actually, I, I know, I, I'm trusting God. He's chosen me. He's, he's forgiven me. I'm just going to, okay, God, I'm going to give what you've given to, to me to this person. You, you want me to talk to that person about this? I'm just going to have a conversation with them, and I'm not going to try and force anything into that. I'm going to do what you've prepared for me. They're there, ready, prepared, waiting. You just have to walk in them. Like the prep cook who's got the tomato all chopped up. The chef then, the head chef, doesn't come in and go, right, I need a tomato, start chopping up. He's like, prep cook, where's my tomato? Now, as I said, I'm not saying we'd be disrespectful to God, but I'm saying, if ask God, God, where's... Where's my good works to walk in today? Have you asked God that question recently? What? There's a guy called Phil Moore. He said, you know, he asked God, God, I'm walking to the school to pick up my kids. What can you do in 10 minutes? 
And he meets a guy and has a conversation with him about, you know, Islam versus Christianity. You know, how, how, what do you believe about Jesus? How does that work? He has this meaningful conversation and, and continues a friendship that he already had. What can God do in 10 minutes? Now, maybe you're sat there thinking, God's eternal purposes are working out in my life? Of course they are. I am brilliant. Of course he's going to work through me. I'm amazing. I'm really special and important. Or maybe you're sat there thinking, I don't know what that is, sorry. Uh, God's not going to use me. I don't have any special skills. We're almost done. Two minutes. I don't know if you watched the Great British Bake Off. Am I allowed to spoil who won? Has anyone not seen it, the final? Okay. The person who won said this of themselves when they won. They were held in the thing. They said, they said my name and that means everything. That means I'm good enough. That was the thing that struck me of the whole episode. I was watching it. That means I'm good enough. God has said your name. There's two errors. There's two errors to avoid. One is pride and one is self-loathing, which actually is a different kind of pride. What you're saying is my uselessness is so bad that even God can't do something with it. Well, let me tell you, He uses me so he can use you. Um, Avoid pride, avoid self-loathing. Actually, we need to grasp those. I'm so looking forward to next week. No pressure to you, Andy. Um, (laughs) Just read it. And let me just read this to you. And then we'll finish. This is Ephesians chapter 1, starting at verse 3. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us in Christ with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, places, even as he chose us in him before the foundation of the world, that we should be holy and blameless before him. In love, he predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ, according to the purpose of his will, to the praise of his glorious grace, with which he has blessed us in the beloved In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses according to the riches of his grace, which he lavished upon us in all wisdom and insight, making known to us the mystery of his will according to his purpose, which he set forth in Christ as a plan for the fullness of time to unite all things in him, things in heaven and on earth. In him we have obtained an inheritance, having been predestined according to the purpose of him who works all things according to the counsel of his will. So that we who were the first to hope in Christ might be to the praise of his glory. In him you also, when you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, and believed in him, were sealed with the promised Holy Spirit, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until we require possession of it, to the praise of his glory." That's your position in God. You are in Christ. The eternal purposes of God are being worked out in your everyday life. So as we work our way through Ephesians, be encouraged. Be encouraged that that is happening. I'm going to stand still 
and I'm going to pray. I'm going to pray for us. Father God, we thank you that your mystery has been revealed. Your plan for the human race has been revealed, that we live in a blessed time, that we have the full Bible that we can look at and go, that's amazing. I can see how that works, that when he spoke to Abraham, what he was looking at was actually what Jesus was going to do and what the church was going to be. Lord, I thank you for that. I thank you that we are chosen in you. We are accepted and adopted as sons and daughters. We are members of the household of God. And you are working your eternal purpose in our everyday lives. Help us to have that divine, eternal perspective, Lord. Lord Jesus, I pray you'd be with us as we eat together, as we enjoy fellowship with one another, sharing life. We thank you for this morning, your presence with us. In Jesus' name, amen.